Hey, bitches, it's me, Jono. Before we get started with our episode with Gabriel Goldberg, I just want to let you know that we divided this episode into two parts. This week, we're going to be listening to part one. And next week, we're going to have our second part. We had a little bit longer than normal interview, but it's really good. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, bitches, welcome back to Jabber. Today, I have with me the Los Angeles entertainment and commercial photographer, Gabriel Goldberg. Welcome. Hello, thank you, Jonah. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate yeah. it. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on. I shared a uh, little bit with you, but you know what? Hey, we're powering through it. The show girl must go on. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to? Um, I have just been working, actually, and um, trying to, you know, maintain a semblance of sanity in this crazy world we live in. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so how's like work been like, has it changed since COVID? Oh yeah. God. So, um, I, um, my last big job, right. As COVID was sort of starting to hit was for Virgin Atlantic. And I flew back from London on March 7th and then I had to quarantine for 14 days and literally two days before <clears throat> my quarantine was supposed to be over that's when they imposed like the first quarantine for everyone to stay home. It was, I remember that it was like March 15th or March 14th, Mm -hmm. like shut down LA and literally everything died from after that. And I spent basically a year, I had one or two clients, one or two smaller clients, but mostly like all my big jobs were gone. I had a a big job for universal that was supposed to happen that summer. It's just everything, everything went away. Yeah, same here. I can relate. Everything happened for me that week. My grandmother yeah. passed away and Jesus. and it wasn't covid related, but yeah. it, she was she was she was older. And but it's terrible. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, and I had I was so happy and thrilled. I had like a two calendars worth of just work filled in for the future. And yeah. I was, you know, like thrilled that you know like all this stuff was going to happen and then everything was postponed and then eventually it canceled because of how long the the lockdown continued and then I lost my studio that I had with a friend it was a lot that was a lot I'm so sorry yeah but but you know we're we're still we're still doing it we're still here we still own the names and we're still (laughs) (laughs) we're still powering through it yeah any exciting plans you have for Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving, I'm going up to Seattle to see my college bestie. Uh, so we've known each other since 1992, I think. Um, and she's up there and she's got three boys and I'm kind of like honorary Uncle Gabe, if you will. So I usually go up for Thanksgiving. Hang on. Nice. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Me, um, this year we have, uh, it's going to be at my family's house. So yeah. we're going to just be doing a local thing. So we don't have to travel too far. Nice. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind giving the audience a little bit of background of who you are, what you do. Sure. sure. Um, So, well, photography is actually my second career. I was a writer and editor prior to this. Um, I moved out here in 95 um, after graduating from college. I got a job at Genre Magazine. Actually, my first job was at the Playboy Channel, hilariously enough. and then I got a job at Genre Magazine, which you probably don't know because it existed before you were born. Um, it was a gay, it was a gay sort of national men's magazine. And um, 
I was there for about a year when four of us decided to leave and start our own magazine, which I was the editor-in-chief of. It was called Instinct Magazine. Yes, yes, yeah. I know that. So yeah. I, was, I was the founding editor-in-chief of Instinct, and I did that for four, four, four and a half years, um, and then worked for a different publishing company. And then in 2005, I had a third open-heart surgery, and I don't know, I guess at some point during my recovery, I was like, you know what, life is too short. I need to do something that I really love. And I'd always enjoyed film. I'd always enjoyed photography. I wasn't a photographer. I had a camera. I had like a Pentax 1000, which is like back then everybody had. Mm -hmm. um, but I went back to school. I went to Art Center College of Design, um, dropped out after five terms because it was incredibly expensive. Yeah. Um, assisted for a couple of years yeah. and then just started, you know, shooting and, and, and I lucked out. I, I got to photograph a uh, actress who was a friend of my ex, ex, ex boyfriends. Um, and those pictures, she loved them. She hired me again. And then her manager hired me to photograph her for a magazine cover. And it just sort of like spun from there. And now 10 years later, I'm still photographing people. It's awesome. That's my background. Yeah, I never knew you were the lead editor of Instinct Magazine. I remember that magazine. I used to have all of those magazines under my bed before I came out. Under your bed? <laughs> I guess we were, I always, I was 23 at the time, I'm 24 when, when I started it. And I kind of always wanted to like push them. We were supposed to be like the gay version of Maxim. That was, Maxim was like the really big magazine back then. It kind yeah. of came in and it was, I think, the first magazine to ever sell a million copies on the newsstand. And everyone sort of, all the all the guy magazines kind of followed their lead and became a little more titillating, a little more like sex heavy. And we wanted to be like the gay version of that. Whether we were or not is a whole other story. I had like one year of experience being, you know, in magazines. So I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. Um, I had no, it was just me. I was like a one man editorial team. So I was like finding the photographers, finding the writers, editing everything, writing everything. And it was like sunrise to sunset, seven days a week, working out of the publisher's apartment. I mean, it was like my blood, sweat and tears went into that thing. Yeah. And it was very fun, but we never had enough money. We never had enough like advertisers. It was always like the scramble. It always felt like a startup. For four years, it felt like a startup. but. That said, people loved it and I loved doing it. And it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life getting to yeah. do that. I loved it. I used to I used to have all those magazines in high school and I used to hide them before I was like, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna have this here. I'm just not gonna, no one's gonna know about it. No one's gonna see it. I'm just gonna have it here. Yeah. I used to have all like- You take it out at night, right? When you're supposed to be asleep and you read them. Yeah. Yeah, because I would I would go to Hollywood with my friends like in high school and yeah. we'd go into the little shops and stuff like that. And we'll get, we're surprised to get in and then yeah. be able to it was one of like the more calmer stuff, but it was it had articles in it and it had like that was like my culture growing up. I used to love it. That's how I mean, before the Internet, that's how you learned. About yeah, it, right? I mean, I had the Internet at that time. Oh, yeah. but you're in your 20s, aren't you? Me, yes, yes. I'm still, <laughs> I'm 25 right now. So cute. Yeah, plus 10. You've had, you've had internet your whole entire life. <laughs> I didn't have it my whole life. I didn't have it my no. whole life. I think I got my first computer when I was in ninth grade. So I don't even know what, what how old that is. When did you get your first cell phone? Senior year. 
I can't even imagine having a cell phone in high school. Like that blows my mind. Nowadays, like my 11 year old niece has a cell phone. Yeah. My nephew has a uh-huh. I, the latest and greatest iPad yeah. and it has a huge dent in it. And I'm like, how the fuck does this kid have it? <laughs> it's a different world. Yeah. Yeah. They basically, you know, the minute they can walk, they can, they'll start using a phone. Yeah. No. <laughs> and then my, 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 my cousin's like paying for it. And I was like, how does this kid have a phone? He goes, you never know he needs it. I'm like, he's with us all the time. <laughs> You're like, he's in kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's in second or third grade. I don't know. One of them. It doesn't matter. He doesn't need a cell phone. <laughs> I don't know. So we're going to get into our artist spotlight talking about you right. and getting to know who you, who you are. So tell me, where are you from and where do you call home now? Uh, I'm from Connecticut and I've lived in Los Angeles for 26 years. So I call, I'm an Angelino at this point. Uh, yeah. yeah. You earned uh, your card. I what? You earned your card. Thanks. How, after how long do you get it? How long do you have to be here to get that? Yeah, like not even that long after five years. Once you've known like, everything, like where things are at, yeah. you're good. Yeah. I've been here for 26 years. Um, and I love the city. And um, every time I think of moving, I'm like, where would I go though? Um, you know, no, honestly, city. like when you, come, I don't, I don't mean to be like a commercial for California because it oh. is the golden state for a reason. Um, oh. Like I, I'm, I'm an LA native. I was born and raised here, and yeah. I love everything about it. I've traveled, I've stayed in different places, and it does not compare to California. California has like everything that you could ever want. If you want to go to the mountains, you can go to the mountains and the beach in the same day. Right. And and you could do like, you, you can go and do anything you want. And it's like the perfect weather for anything. Have you lived anywhere else ever or no? No. No. If you could move somewhere else, if you had to move somewhere else, where would it be? After my uh, long-term relationship, when I was in the, trying to figure out like what am what's my you know like big thing, yeah. what to do next, I almost moved to New York, and I was almost I would literally was ready to move. Yeah, and I had a friend over there that just so she goes, yeah, I have another broom. Yeah, you can stay there if you want. Yeah, and so I was like. Ugh. I'm like, I'm like debating. And I was asking like my family, I was like, what, uh, as I'm in New York, I was like, what, what would you guys say if I stood here? And I just got a refund for like my ticket back home. And they're like, if you, if that's what you want to do, then you got to do what you got to do. Right. And, and I was really contemplating it and I almost did it, but. What made you change your mind? I, I, I think like I'm a real big, um, stickler for um having like a consistent income because I can't go with like I I I I like to I like to be very comfortable I like to eat when I want to eat I like to have money when I want to have money and having like a steady job or something that's there already like I I, that's what I need and if uh, and I was looking around over there too like the short time that I was there I was like where where could I work like that's the industry based or like you know like so I'm not like wasting my time like at a a coffee shop or something and it the, there wasn't anything that was available at that moment but it, maybe I would consider New York again yeah. yeah I mean my hat is off to anyone who moves to New York especially if they're like a freelance artist because yeah. like, creator because it is such a tough city both my brothers live there mm-hmm. and 
having spent so much time in LA now, I'm there for maybe two days and I'm like, all right, I'm exhausted. I need to go back home. <laughs> like it is just, they wear you out. It's nonstop. They never just slow down. They never just chill and relax. And I'm, I've been out here so long. I'm just like, I just like relaxing. Like, let's just. I like, down. I like that though. And that's the one thing that uh, I, I really enjoyed about it, that it's, uh, let's go, let's do this. We got to go here. Okay. We're going to go down. Okay. We're going on the train now. And yeah. I, I love that whole atmosphere of it. Maybe because yeah. I grew up in the city and it's like that same type of atmosphere in New York. It's on crack. <laughs> and it, there's, I don't know, like every corner had something new. There's like a deli that's had bagels and sandwiches like every morning. Like, how could you not? I want that well there's that on every corner is what mm -hmm. right? there's a there's amazing deli sandwiches on every corner in New York that's the one thing I love and anytime I go hang out with my friend yeah. like almost just like I was like oh I didn't try that deli she goes yeah you have <laughs> same shit <laughs> like no but they're all different <laughs> well I hope you get to live out there sometime or at least I don't, I don't know. And see if you like it I don't know if I because like Marty you know like kind of settled here I don't know yeah. if I would be able to do that, but I, I'm definitely a fan of New York. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's an amazing city. As a gay person, I'm assuming you're gay if you're the head of a, a, yeah. a, a gay magazine. I, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, you would hope that I am, yes. I would assume. <laughs> and did you have a mentor growing up that showed you the ropes or got you into the culture that we have today? Mm, no um I kind of stumbled into it on my own really um I went to boarding school okay and, uh in Connecticut and kind of while I was there I realized I was gay uh, mm. I mean I think I probably knew when I was younger but I you know at a certain point you sort of become self-aware of the fact that this yes. is what it means and this is what it what it what it looks like and this is what you want and like there wasn't the material, you know, we couldn't just go pick up this phone and look up what is being get like there's that really sweet moment and did you see um Heartstopper, the Netflix show, the British show? No. Oh my god, it's so it's so charming and so sweet. But there's a moment where one of the kids is like, What is you know bisexuality? And he just types it into his computer and it comes up and and then he goes, Am I gay? And he he, he like answers the quiz. There was none of that. I mean, I didn't know. They have a quiz. <laughs> There's a quiz. Um, I think it was on BuzzFeed. Um, but you talked about putting you you talked about putting magazines on your bed. I put there was a thing called International Mail, which was like a, a mail order catalog. You know, I, I had that too. Okay, all right, all right. And it was so it was that, funny because was my, my under the bed. That was the thing that I would put under the bed. And like Calvin Klein underpants ads, those would go under the bed. Uh -huh. So um, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anyone to sort of be like, oh, you're gay. Let me show you. Let me teach you what that means. Mm -hmm. Is that for me? Um, I just kind of like, I didn't date in high school. And then when I was a counselor at a, a summer camp when I was 17 years old, the counselor next to in the cabin next to mine you know we became really close friends and then slowly over the course of the summer you know words came out things happened and that's kind of my that was like my first gay romance um and we're still actually friends which is amazing um but we were i would say our, you know each other's first loves um and then college is when i kind of like started exploring experiencing you know 
homosexual acts and things. Um, but yeah, growing up, no, there was there wasn't a lot of representation. Um, I think when I was 13, uh, my parents brought all of us to see La Caja Fall, which is um, the birdcage. Remember the movie, The Birdcage with Robin Williams? So the, the actual original movie or musical that it was based on is called La Caja Fall. And it was about, you know, men who dress as women. And then it was about this homosexual couple. And I remember at 13 years old, the minute like the guys took off their wigs and you saw that they were men dressed as women. And then that there were two guys that kissed. I was like, oh my God, this is my life. This is what this is this is me yeah and that was you know at 13 years old the first time i'd ever seen anything like that and then i didn't see anything like that again for a really long time like yeah. four years three or four years um and like you know i had to at 16 waiting for the bus to go back to school um i bought my first gay porn magazine which of course like i put in other magazines you know underneath um so it was kind of like a series of things that happened, but there was no like, no one to show me the ropes, no one to be like, this is what the gay community is all about and take me to West Hollywood. Like yeah. there was none of that, yeah. Did you have someone who was like a mentor, like an older gay? As a mentor, like, as like kind of showed me like the, like the, in the industry of photography and everything, like they showed me how, how to like get like those stories out there and whatnot. But like, that was like later on, like when I'm already like as a photographer, but as like. Were you talking about a mentor, like a photography mentor? Yeah, that's what I mean. But like, but it, no, 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 no. It, it, it's okay. Like, it's, okay. It, it's okay. Like it, it, it totally like, you know, gives me more of a background of like who you were. But <laughs> for me, it, it, it's funny though because like I, I think everybody knew about me before I knew about myself and it being like gay. yeah crazy obvious this kid that is like obviously look at me now like I'm all still in black but like like a kid that was infatuated with Halloween and would dress up in drag like yeah. every Saturday and was obsessed with high heels and Elvira and <laughs> loved Tu Wong Fu and RuPaul and everything in like the early 90s and it's like like that kid's not gay you know like he just likes you know like the the femininity of, of like the culture and whatnot. He's okay. He's okay. Throughout my whole life. Yeah, no one knows. Like I'm not, I don't I didn't say anything. So like how would they know? Like until like yeah. And then when I was in high school, everybody would come up to me asking me, like, how are you so confident and so like uh, you're so open about things and so like strong willed and whatever. And I was like, I'm just me. Like I like I didn't I didn't it didn't buy like click in my head like you know it is because everybody saw that obviously like I'm right. screaming homosexuality right. <laughs> <laughs> um and when you came out your whole family were they okay were they cool um my well I didn't necessarily tell my mother anything like she still doesn't know well no, no she she well she, she knows now. <laughs> but uh, but um it, so like in high school she wouldn't even talk to me about like sex and stuff like that and she would even go over like anal sex and stuff like that like pre preparation like you should you like if you did do that you know you should know the special type of lube and stuff like that my mom had a whole bunch of gay friends so she was you know like i, I had that mom growing up so she was yeah, like you had the cool mom she's not a regular yeah. mom she's the cool mom yeah she definitely definitely was like that and uh, i i grew up with like you know my family like we had close gay friends and there's like gay oh, people cool. in my family so it, it wasn't oh, that nice. big of a shock because okay. um because when it came down to it, my my mom knew that I was dating one of my my bosses, and uh, oh. 
and so my mom was like really upset about it. She, she didn't like them, but um, she was more upset because of that. Mm. and um she she was like just don't tell grandma just don't tell the family just because like you know they're not ready for that and I was just oh, okay well then it came up to me having my first art show and our family friends that own this gallery they had uh, a first LGBT show for you know young people that are just want to get their shit out there and they asked me if I wanted to do it and I was like yeah of course so like I yeah. had like my first set of images that were there they're in it and I want I was like I'm gonna invite the whole family everyone's gonna find out about this you know like and I um Mongo's like wait wait before you do that you know um just wait a second and so then I was just like okay my mom was just being protective um so so I, I met Disneyland with my ex-partner and we uh I'm just going around and then everyone starts texting me out of the family and I was, I was all these I was like oh my god someone someone died all, all these people are like they're texting me like what's going on and so like my uncle called me and I was like I have to pick up like I was like hello he goes like, hey I just want to let you know um if I said something wrong to you in the past I just want you to know that I love you. And if I said any type of homophobic things before, you know, like, I, I just know that like, I didn't mean it and it wasn't towards you and you have me to come for anything, you know, like just being super supportive. And I was like, where the fuck is all this coming from? I, like, maybe they found like my Facebook or something. Maybe they found like, you know, like me on the internet. Cause I was already posting stuff already on there. And I was just like, I was like, oh, maybe. And then my cousin called me, she was like, Hey, um, did you know your mom was going to do that? And I was like, my mom was going to do what? She was like, she had everybody a luncheon at the Olive Garden to brought everybody over and basically outed you to everybody. And I was like, wow. I guess like she was like trying to be protective and like kind of introducing it to the fans. So like, they like, wouldn't be like a big shock or anything. And I was. <sighs> Thank she you. She stole your thunder. <laughs> I know, but your like mom's your spotlight. Yeah, and then another cousin goes like, "Hey, I just wanted to text you. I love you, but like, I already knew." And I was like, <laughs> "Like, we all knew. We, we knew. But like, you know, we still love you." But I was like, "Okay." I'm like, "Thanks," but like, it was like I didn't even get to do it myself. But like, my my mom did. <laughs> my mother outed me. <laughs> that is. Oh, what was your What was your coming up? Oh, um, it was really easy. Um, I told, had told my parents that I needed to tell them something. So I went down for the weekend. I was 20, 21, 20. And um, the week prior, like my brother was working at a hospital lab and had gotten bit by like a lab rat. And so he was freaked out because maybe he had gotten something. He was fine. And then my other brother had some kind of medical scare. He was fine. But it was like all in one week. And then I got down to my parents' house and I was very serious and really nervous. And I was like, okay, I have something to tell you guys. This was at breakfast, it was like Saturday morning at breakfast. And my mom goes, oh my God, yeah, or something is pregnant. Like one of my good friends, my freshman year in college, she's like, oh my God, she's pregnant. And I was like, actually, that's never gonna happen. Here's why. <laughs> and I was like, I'm gay. And they're like, oh, thank God. So they were fine. It was basically like, okay, that's great. Do you want some more eggs? It was so like, I had built this up and I was so nervous and I was like shaking and they were like, we still love you. It's fine. Yeah. It's great. Do you want more eggs? I mean, it was, it was very anticlimactic in a way that was sort of disappointing, but looking back, it's amazing that they were totally fine with it. That's, that's good. Um, 
Yeah, they should have known because they had found a couple like gay porn magazines in my closets. Mm. And I was like, those are for my art class. And they bought yeah. it. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. so it was a very uneventful coming out, actually. So sadly, I wish I had more drama, but. What was funny was my mom, she was like, don't tell grandma, don't tell, she will die if you tell grandma. And she told grandma. <laughs> she didn't tell grandma. Like she, that was oh. the one person she didn't tell. And, oh. and when my grandma was getting sick and she was in the hospital, she, I was just showing her pictures from my vacation and I went on vacation with one of my friends and everybody thought we were together, but we weren't. We were just really yeah. close friends. Yeah. And so I was just showing her pictures and she was like, she was like, she goes, hey, is that your boyfriend? Your, your new one? And I was like, my new one. And she goes like, she goes, yeah, you had that other one, right? That would always come pick you up. And I was like, yeah, but this isn't my boyfriend. This is my like one of my close friends. She goes like, come on, tell me. And I was like, no, grandma. But my grandma, my grandma knew. Grandma from, like, was hip. She knew. Yeah. She knew what was going on. Yeah. She had the tea. She knew. She knew. <laughs> Grandma's always know. Yeah, I miss her. So. Mm -hmm. When did you get into photography? Oh, wait, you already said that. Well, uh, that was, it was like 2007, 2006 when I went to Art Center. Okay. Um, up until then, um, like, again, I took a couple pictures here and there, but it was mostly like I was art directing a lot of our cover shoots for Instinct and then at the other magazines I worked for. Um, and I was around a lot of photographers a lot. And it just seemed like they had a really fun job. And, um, so yeah, so I went to my, I was 31 when I went back to Art Center. And I'd say the average age was in the class was probably like 25. And so there was like two guys that were older than me, but everyone else was younger. And I was the only person in class who had never like processed my own film and was like printing on film. I had like taken one class in college prior to this. Um, so I had developed film at one point, but I wasn't like, I had a digital camera and they are all like, you're not a real photographer. And I felt like an imposter for about three terms there. Yeah. And then somewhere around the fourth term, everyone started shooting digitally. And I was like, okay, this is the new normal. Yeah. Um, that was like around the time that I started taking photography classes and it was like that same process. Yeah. And I knew yeah. I wanted to do digital because I hated I, I didn't hate film. I just hated processing it. Like my yeah. nails starting to chip off and everything. Like, you, you know, the, the chemicals and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and I didn't want to touch any of that. Like, I didn't want to be, like, it's, it's a great process. And if you're able to have that knowledge right. and that art form, it, it, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. But for me, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, I didn't like it. <laughs> And yeah. I, I just wanted to just do the digital stuff because I was already like editing and stuff like that. And right. there, there was that stigma there in, within the photography world that was like, oh, you're not really a real photographer. You're, right. you know, like something else that you're just playing like, you know, like with um, like a toy. You're not really playing with like an actual camera. And I was just like, right. There was there was a lot of stigma back in the mid to late 2000s of that, mm -hmm. uh, I think. Uh, with people, it was you know it was people were still shooting on film. The professionals were still were still using film, but like this digital revolution was happening. Yeah, and um, people fought it, and then you know people learned on it, and it was easier to learn. Sure, and I think maybe that's why where the um, because it is easier. Digital shooting on digital is easier than shooting on film because you can actually see what you're doing. 
Um, and I remember uh, we called it chimping, where you shoot and you look and you shoot and you look. And I did that for probably the first two years of like being at school because I was so uncertain of the settings and I wanted to make sure like I was getting it in camera and the lighting. So I was constantly doing this. Mm-hmm. Now I don't, but um, yeah, it took it took a while to sort of stop doing that. But I don't know. I think it's not about whether you shoot on film or if you shoot digitally. It's what you have to say with the pictures and what you know. Yeah. What your what the art is. It's not it's not the gear. It's never the gear. People are always like, "What kind of camera do you use?" And I just say, "Does it matter? I shoot with a Canon 5D Mark IV." It doesn't matter though. It's what's up in here and what's in here and the way you see the world. You and I could be in a room with the same model and we would take two totally different pictures yeah. because you see the world differently than I see the world. Yeah. And that's always how it's going to be. And I think the biggest thing that I tell people is it doesn't matter what gear you use. It's what you say with the pictures that you make. I had a, I had a professor tell me that... Um, because I was, I went back to get my bachelor's. I was explaining like my process and whatnot to my teacher. And your teacher was like, he was like, oh, that's an outdated camera. You can't get like the, the resolution of, of images that I was like, okay. And then I went to present my work and we had to present it like a digital students had to present it like on the huge wall. And so presented it. And he was just like, he goes like, this is your file. And I was like, yeah, it's, like the size of like a 10 foot by 10 foot wall. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's my image. And he was like, he was like, the resolution is is there. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not what you're shooting with, it's how you shoot it with and how you handle the image. And exactly what you said, when there's two photographers in the room, their styles are completely different. And I oh, I've done I've done that before when I would um shadow a couple other photographers yeah, where yeah he would be shooting like this whole commercial setup and I was shooting something else where it was just like this completely different mood. And it was like this, mine was like this high contrast, like moody, like silhouettes type of thing. And his was like a commercial type setting. And I was, it it was two different things. You you wouldn't have have thought it was the same day. It's literally the same moment. Right. And that's what's so interesting about it is Everyone sees the world differently. And the pictures you make are sort of the visual manifestation of the way you do see that world. And your world is really bright and colorful and poppy and shiny and very pretty and slick. So it's a cool world. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit more about your style? My style, sure. It's funny that you say that. I don't, what is my style? Um, <laughs> I could tell you what I see because when okay. I look at because I've seen your commercial book okay. when you look at your commercial work it's 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 billboard worthy and you look at these are ads when you look at these the, the commercial book when you look at your your uh, other work that you have like on Instagram and whatnot like it's on that stuff? same on the, the Hollywood bruiser stuff yeah so when you yeah. look at that it's like it's ad worthy too but it has like this ability to like see like uh, it, it's like a vintage um feel with it where it feels like it, it feels like it, you've been here before and it has yeah. like this this taste and this level that is like it's it's much polished than what it was like back in the day like when you look at um fit, like when you look at physique pictorials 
when you look at that type of work, it has like a, this commercial site added to it. And it has like that classic feel, but it has a new commercial feel with it. If that makes sense. I don't, I don't know if I'm- Well, yeah, I call it, I call it, that stuff I call it retro inspired beefcakery because it's all inspired by either stuff I grew up with or stuff before that. Um, you know, I came of age in the late 80s, early 90s and sort of discovered like 1970s porn, probably in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And have always loved that aesthetic. And then and like cult studios and um, the physique pictorial stuff, Tom of Finland, mm-hmm. um, anything from the 50s, 60s, 70s, mid 80s is like, I love to look at and I love the aesthetic of it. And I love the, there's a sweetness to the sexuality almost because it feels really innocent. It feels like from a more innocent time, even though it's a more naive time. Um, it also has I'm a kind of pulling that, sorry. It also has a pinup element too with mm-hmm. it, where it yeah. has, you know, when you look at pinup art, it's it has like this craft and mm-hmm. like detailedness from it, yeah. where that you can't get with like a lot of other people do today, where it's just like, oh, quick, put this costume on and just go. Like yeah. this has like this like detailedness where you see like an image of yours where y- you can see and feel the emotions that are coming out of it. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I think, so my, my regular work, um, the commercial work, I think grew out of the fact that I had a magazine background, dealt with advertisers, dealt with, you know, that kind of photography, as well as editorial coming up with photo, um, sorry, cover concepts, cover ideas, photo shoot ideas. So I took that commercial sort of brain that I had for editorial and marketing and advertising brought that with me to school and art center is a very commercial school. So I, lo- I learned how to light in a commercial way. Um, and um, also fine art wasn't a thing that I had really ever played around with or really knew how to do. And in fact, my fine art teacher, I remember one time was like, you have this fantastic inability to make fine art. Everything you do is commercial. And it's like, I don't necessarily mean to do that. It's just the way, again, I see the world. And that comes from my, you had asked about mentors. I didn't have mentors with photography, but I had inspirations. And the two biggest of when I was sort of like aware of photography and aware that I wanted to do it were Annie Leibovitz and David LaChapelle, who are very commercial photographers, even though they both do art as well. Their work is so just produced and it's it's a production and it's a commercial production mm-hmm. and I loved their worlds I loved the the places they would take me in a photograph so I think all of that compounds to the stuff that they shoot now which is on my regular website which it feels clean and it feels polished and it feels you know billboardy and I have shot billboards which is amazing and so lovely and fun to see um, but then this other sort of side, which is Hollywood bruisers, which is like the sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's sexy. I hope it's sexy. Some people think it's sexy. Yeah. Um, is, I, is, I approve. I'll put my stamp on that. Thank you. It is. Um, it's it's sort of just like the, the fun stuff mm-hmm. that I shoot. And that's sort of becoming a little more commercial. Um, and I try to bring that same polish and, and I want these guys, I want to just make people look beautiful. I want the guys to look at their, can we swear on your, on your 
I want I want the guys to look at the pictures and be like, oh my god, I'd fuck myself. You know, I just <clears throat> I want them to feel like it's I'm photographing them as the fantasy man version of them in my head. They don't see themselves the way I see them necessarily. It's it's the way I see them, and that's how I shoot them. And I give them like characters to sort of become. Um, yeah. Sweet. I love that. My so, life is dying over here. <laughs> so what what is your process like when you go into a studio or a location? You know, what what is what is like what's your process like? Panic and then huh? more panic and then a little more panic. No. Um when you say process, how do you mean? Like it's always about figuring out where you're gonna shoot, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like if if I can't location scout or if I don't know where I'm gonna shoot, you look around and figure out where you're gonna shoot, and then you figure out okay, how are we gonna light this thing? I know I'm not the best lighter. I know I'm not the best. I can't like for the life of me, I struggle all the time mixing um, strobe with ambient light. It's like to try to get it the way I want. Rarely, rarely happens. Um, so then it's you know you figure out where you're gonna shoot, how you're gonna shoot it, light it, and then you put the person in that vignette and you just let them come alive yeah. while also giving them a lot of direction. Yeah, it, that, that um, definitely like makes the the images, you know, land when you're able to- Well, you know that, right? Yeah. You, you probably, yeah, you, you know how to like, you I have to all, be able to- I go all the way down to like, I'm like, don't fucking move. Yeah. Let me like raise your finger up just a little. Okay, perfect. Cause don't <laughs> fucking move. Keep your keep your face the way it is. Like, keep it the way it is. And then, and then wait, do you ever notice how like the minute you say, okay, don't move, that looks amazing. They literally move. Yes, and then they're, they're like, they're like, what do you move. mean? <laughs> they're like, they're no, like, in, they're, they're in a pose, and then they're like, yes. they're like, okay, what do you, what do you want me to do? <laughs> right, and you're like, no, nope, you lost it. You completely yeah. lost it. Yeah. Oh. That happens all the time. <laughs> so we know that you're known for your, you know, like sexy guys on Instagram. How has Wait, Instagram... You know, who knows this job? Everybody. You know that you... No, nobody knows who I am. Yes. In the do. world of photography, nobody knows who I am. Yes, we do. I mean, that's very So how has social media helped you gain your exposure? Okay, so this is an interesting question. I uh, did a podcast for the first time a month ago and he asked me a very similar question and I was like, not so much. <laughs> there, and then I had time to think about it afterwards. So I had a show in August um, in Provincetown and that I'd never done a show before, never really thought about doing a show before. That show came about because of Hollywood Bruisers on Instagram. Um, in one week, two different galleries in Provincetown messaged me saying, hey, I'd love to have you do a show here. Would you consider that? And that's because of Instagram. Um, I had started Hollywood Bruisers in 2016 and then it got deleted like a year later. And I kind of like waited a little while and started again in 2018, I think. Um, and it took a long time to like build back up, which you know, happens yeah. for whatever reason. Um, and then it just started like getting a little nuts. And then during pandemic, it got a little crazier. And then post pandemic, it's, 
it's, I don't know, it's, it's way beyond anything I thought would ever happen. Um, and I don't have that many followers or anything. It's just the people who do, and God, they're amazing. I get comments from people on every single post. Like I noticed it's the same yeah. people um, on everything, on every story I post, they'll do a little like heart or fire, the eyes, whatever it is. And which is amazing to me, yeah. but it's, it blows my mind that people, you know, notice it. And because there's so much out there, John, I mean, there's just, you would never get to the end of Instagram. You know what I mean? Like there is just no way to see everything. So the fact that I have, you know, 2000 followers is incredible. And I think it's more than 2000, but it's, uh, it's wild. And it has changed a lot and it's gotten me jobs. Um, I, I'm shooting Tom of Finland vodka uh, campaigns for them. It got me a couple underwear campaigns uh, and, and it got me a show in Provincetown, which was incredible and yeah. surpassed my wild dreams of what was going to happen there. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, so Instagram is really, it's been, it's been a wonderful tool as vexing as it is. See children, you can get exposure on Instagram. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think, here's the thing. I think if you put out there the thing that's in your heart and the thing that's in your head and it's yours and you're not trying to be something else, people are gonna gravitate to it and people are gonna feel that authenticity. And I get jealous all the time. Uh, you know, I have to say to myself, comparison is a thief of joy, like every week, because I'll look at someone's work and I'll be like, oh my God, it's so good. I was looking at your lighting going, oh my God, it's so good. It's so dialed in. The colors are amazing. I can't do that, but I can't do that. So I'm gonna just do what I can do. And this is how I shoot. And this is the way I see the people that I'm photographing. And I've kind of stopped apologizing for it because I think I did that for a really long time. Like- What, what are you apologizing? What, what, what like you that it wasn't good enough or that it didn't look like everything else. It doesn't look like everything else. Um, I have a sensibility and I like it. And I thought for a little while, like, well, this isn't what's considered sexy right now. And this isn't like what the gays want or what the gays put out there. Cause it doesn't look like that stuff. Um, but what makes it different and what makes it unique is that it's your style. And that's what makes it true to you because it's yeah. your it's your style, the way that you shot it. And that's what makes it yeah. unique. Thanks. What's day in the life of Gabriel Goldberg? Um, wake up, uh, have breakfast, and then sit in front of the computer and retouch for 17 hours. <laughs> that's not the <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's it's typical. I'm sure you have the same if you're not shooting, which is not every day. Mm -hmm. um, although I admire people who can photograph every day. I don't have the stamina for it. Um, I'm old. Um, there's a lot of retouching. So one I, I did a job for a liquor company and they ordered 60 pictures. So like that takes time. Yeah, that takes time. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of snacking and eating and then some Netflixing and chilling and then uh, emails and stuff like that. Um, and then if it's a shoot, it's like 
going to pick up the gear, you know, at six o'clock in the morning, going to the studio, setting up, doing the shoot all day, um, packing up, dropping off the gear, hopefully if it's in time, and then coming home and eating and then just crashing. So I'm completely worn out. Uh, I love shoot days. They're really fun. So long as like the call time's not too early. I'm not a morning person. I was going to say 6 a.m. I'm usually rolling into bed by that time. <laughs> what? <laughs> some some nights. Some <laughs> oh, just wait. <laughs> Do you have a dream client? Have you already shot with your dream client already? Oh, well, that's a really good question. Oof. I mean, I have, yeah, it would be Vanity Fair magazine probably. Um, I think uh, that I might be like showing my age, but that was the magazine that I came up with in terms of like being the magazine that I always wanted to photograph for. Uh-huh. I think probably uh, the dream would be to like shoot movie posters. I think that would be my dream. Yeah. I've seen yeah, your which I've done. What's yeah. that? I've seen your Ant-Man one. That you... Oh, that was, yeah, that was, that was a commission. Yeah. Um, I've done a movie, I've done a movie poster for like a low budget horror movie and I've done some reality TV key arts and I've done some, you know, smaller TV stuff. I did an opening credits. Oh my God, this is amazing. So there was a show called Animal Hospital or something back in the mid 2000s. It only lasted one season. It was a comedy, Okay. but I shot the title sequence for the directors. Joe and Anthony Russo went on to direct Avengers Endgame, Avengers okay. Infinity War. <laughs> like, uh-huh. yeah. They were the directors of the show that, that when I was shooting this, this uh, the uh, opening credits for, they were the directors, um, which is amazing to think about how they went from that, like shooting a pilot for a TV show that lasted, I don't know, six episodes to shooting the biggest movie in the world. Yeah. Hey, that's how gigs work out in here in California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, um, I'm sure there's a ton of dream clients that I've had, but I've already, I've already photographed people that are so beyond the types of people that I ever thought I would photograph that it's, it's still, I still pinch myself when I think about it. That's how you should be. You should be excited for, you know, like. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. And it's fun. Okay, bitches, come back next week for part two with Gabriel Goldberg. I guarantee you're going to love it. <laughs> this is Jabber Podcast, executive produced by John Madison. If you have a question, comment, topic, or story you want to share, we want to hear it. Email jabbrpod at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram or Twitter at jabberpod. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. Stories and mentions are not meant to hurt anyone or their subtitle parties. Intro and outro, LA Step by We. <laughs>